Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kelly S. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Oklahoma. Um, Today is Thursday, July 6th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 64, third paragraph, which will start at resentment is the number one offender, and we will read one paragraph and comment on just that one paragraph. Today's readers are Barbara E. for 12 Steps, Hoodie R. for the 12 Traditions, the readers of the text will be Larry K. and Nessa R. The reference numbers for Wednesday, yesterday, July 5th, for the 7 a.m. meeting is 10121, and for the 10 a.m. meeting is 10122. Um, all right, OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Barbara E. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Kelly, for your service. My name is Barbara E. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we'd harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do this service. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. And I will now ask Hoodie R. to read the 12 traditions. 
Hi, this is Hoodie. Our, um, the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has the one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Kelly. And then I pass. Thank you, Huddy. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes, and no speaker phones, please. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book meant to us or mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 64. We're on the third paragraph. We're on a big whammy one, which starts out as resentment is the number one offender. And share, we're going to be share, reading and sharing on only that one paragraph. And Larry Kay is going to start us off. Larry? Hey, Kelly. Thanks so much for your service. Appreciate Thanks, that. Yeah, it's a whammy here. Okay, here we are. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease, for we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. We asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, 
our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So we were sore. We were burned up. Okay. Well, so let's uh, let's take a look at at this uh, at this paragraph here. Um, again, it's Larry Kay from Chicago. The uh, let me set my timer to. So let's start by taking a look at the word resentment. Resentment is defined as a feeling of indignant displeasure or persistent ill will at something regarded as wrong, insult, or injury. So resentment refers to the mental process of repetitively replaying a feeling and the events leading up to it that, that anger us. We, we don't so much replay you know, a cool litany of the facts in resentment, we re-experience and relive them in ways that affect us emotionally and physiologically and spiritually in very destructive ways, and that was true for me. Resentment is like, perhaps you've heard, taking the poison, expecting the other person to die. And if you look at the word resentment, just the word itself, look at re, re means again, and sentiment uh, it means to feel. So we re-feel. This gets to the heart of resentment, recycling old negative feelings, revisiting old wrongs done to us by others. And, you know, it, it's, it's as if each of the offending incidents are captured on, on videotape in our minds. You know, resentment, in effect, is, is mentally replaying the scene countless times each day, and it gets worse by the minute. So step four is a process by which we're going to take a look at our resentments, our fears, the harms we had done to others. Since we know that all action is born in thought, we're going to fearlessly and thoroughly examine these patterns of thinking and behavior. And in simple terms, whatever we are accustomed to is what we will desire psychologically. We're, we're conditioned to do this by life experience because our brains are like these supercomputers. So each time that someone did something to me that I perceived as wrong or hurtful. It was as if a little tiny tape recorder was implanted in my brain. And you know, the other person soon forgot about the perceived injustice. They went on with their life, but not me. I would relive the situation and feel the injustice you know, done to me again and again. The um, resentment, you know, we, it's the number one offender we read. And a significant subplot in living a life of forgiveness is that resentment can be displaced onto others not involved in the original offense. And that was important for me. So, for example, when a, when a mother withdraws love from a daughter, let's say, then in her resentment, the daughter might withdraw love from her brother. And the brother, in turn, might then take out his resentment on other boys in school. And when these young people grow up, they might pass the resentment to their, to their partners and their children. You see the potential for the domino effect of disconnection? This leads to relational disconnection. So I'm going to get this stuff down on paper, on a fact-finding and fact-facing basis. I'm not going to look for a spiritual awakening here yet. wasn't promised, but I'm going to get these facts down and face them. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Larry. All right. So who would like to share for three minutes approximately on the paragraph that Larry just read. Katie G. from Boston. Harlan G. Charles A. Harlan. Harlan. Charles. This was the part I was nervous about, and I didn't get bombarded. What's up, guys? That's 
great. <laughs> Elaine B. Elaine G. Martha S. Martha P. Barbara E. Martha S. Barbara E. Barbara E. Okay, let's stop there. Um, for now, I have Katie G. Harlan. Charles H, Elaine G, Craig F, Barbara E, oh, Elaine B, I think it is. Okay, so we'll start with Katie G. Hey, Kelly, can I be heard? You can. Thanks, Katie. Kelly, I'll bombard you. Good morning. This is Katie G, recovered <laughs> compulsive overeater anorexic and bulimic, starting my timer in Boston. Notice food is not the one number one offender. I know. Can you believe it? So food is not the problem. It's the only solution. And the problem is I'm abstinent, right? I'm on step three. I want to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. So here I am on step four. So resentment is the number one offender. And that is so true for me. And it has destroyed me my entire life. I can tell you the first and last name of the girl in, in fourth grade that told me only B-I-T-C, I won't finish the swear, swear, right? Like I can tell you, I can tell you where I was. I can tell you at age 38 how it felt, you know, but I don't hate her today. I, I release her. I wouldn't run to the other side of the street because she's, because she's there, right? Because I've done this process. I've uncovered, discovered, and, dis, and, and discarded the hatred in my soul that I see because, you know, let's be honest. I grew up in an alcoholic home, and yes, things happened that were not healthy. Things happened that were very, very scary, but the fact remains that I am the problem. You know, it is a spiritual malady that, um, that when I am disturbed, it is about me and not the other person. So I set my resentments down on paper. I list my mom. I list my dad. I list a lot of people on Vision for You Guys. Sorry, because when I'm so angry, anybody I come into contact with is wrong, right? And what does it affect? All aspects of my identity, my self-esteem, my idea of, you know, of how I feel about myself, my, my financial, um, my ambition. Oh, my gosh, who am I going to be in this world if you're not treating me like the great KDG? And if you're treating me that way, right, like let's say my resentment is I feel like you're condescending to me. Well, if you're condescending to me, well, then I'm going to be condescending to you in my personal relationships because you started it, right? And I remember, like, like, guys, look at the words here. Number one offender, not like a little bit. You know, sometimes people call me and they say, oh, I have a little resentment. Well, let me tell you, I never ate over the big resentments. I ate over the little stuff. I ate over the hangnail. I ate over the birthday invitation that never came. I overate over, you know, the text message that, you know, did me wrong, right? And I was burned up. And if you're in this part of the work, I always share with the women I work with, this list is the most dangerous part of the work, right? Because you just get to write down all those people, institutions, and principles that made you angry because you're burning up. You know, you get to, you know, the one time you get to say everybody's wrong because we're going to move on and we're going to see how we are wrong. And it is the freedom that we get. I'll just close with this. We get so much freedom realizing that the world is not wrong, that that spiritual malady, like when I'm disturbed, it is me and not the other person. So I'm on fire about this. I'm so excited to get rid of these resentments, and I'm going to keep doing this with you guys one more day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And Harlan, you're next. 
thanks, Kelly. Thanks for your service, and thank you to Team Thursday for making this meeting possible. I look at this paragraph, and I see the word resentment. Re means to do again, as Larry said. Sentiment comes from an old word, sentiri, which means to feel. And I love the Chicago Bears. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona, but I'm originally from Chicago. I love the Bears, and I have somewhere in this house a video of the Super Bowl that they won against the New England Patriots back in 1986. And I can tell you everything about that videotape. I can tell you what play is what, what commercial is what, what the announcers are going to say, because that videotape has some quality that I do not have, and that's called fidelity, truth, consistency. In my mind, when I replay something I make your part a little more dastardly, a little more ominous, and my part a little more innocent until if you let me replay that resentment enough times, I was standing there doing nothing and you came along and you did me dirt. What is the payoff to a resentment? Why do I love holding on to them for decades of my life? Why will I throw my life away in, in search of keeping them alive? Because the more I can resent you, the less I have to take responsibility for my own life. I can abdicate responsibility and justify the most errant nonsense and blame you. This paragraph also tells me how simple these instructions are. The resentment and fear parts of the inventory are four-column inventories. I don't need to download anything off the Internet. I don't have to buy a concordance. I don't have to buy a booklet. I don't have to buy anything. Column one, who or what do I resent? Column two, what did they do to me? 19 words or less based on the example we'll get to uh, tomorrow. Column three, what basic instinct of life is affected or instincts of life are affected? And then on page 67, column four, what did I do, if anything, to set it in motion? And what defects of character were brought to the surface? Nothing is complicated here. I don't need an advanced degree from Wharton School of Business. I don't need an advanced degree from Northwestern or Stanford or Harvard or Yale. Four columns. Number one, who or what do I resent? It's not always a who. I resented the expression, Blood is thicker than water, because anytime anyone said blood is thicker than water, I was left out because I don't have blood relatives anymore. Um, column two, what did they do to you? Column three, what basic instinct or instincts are affected? Column four on page 67, what did I do, if anything, to set it in motion? and what defects of character were brought to the surface. And in our zeal to overcomplicate things, we make it more complicated than it really is. It's very simple. And that, with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan. And now, Charles H., you're up. Thank you, Kelly, for your service. Charles H., you're a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, first thing I'd like to say is, in this case, subtraction is really addition. You know, when, when, when I remove toxic thoughts through this first house cleaning process, this first part of it, um, you know, then God comes in a way. But it's, it's got to be real quick because, like uh, Katie G said, I could stew in this thing. 
you know, I, I, I could say for myself, I realized that I didn't want to be recovered because you people get, I used to get attention by being in self-pity, you know, and, and thinking that, you know, like, like, for example, I resent Charles for leaving um, my keys home yesterday, um, this morning, and it affects my personal relations, my self-esteem, and my ambition. Why? Because I'm thinking too highly of myself. And, you know, I was on the train this morning. I said, shucks, I left my keys home. But, but I see the common manifestation. You know, I did too much yesterday. Shared a meeting. Talked to people after slaying myself at work. I should have just shut down. So I, it's on me. And so, you know, realizing that, you know, maybe like three months ago, I'd have been like, I'd have said some words and I would have just been blasting people. I'd have got on the line and just been negative. But it, 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 it's it's no big deal, you know. So those three columns, those three columns are wow, 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 ga, ga, go. And when we get to page sixty-seven, it's gonna be like, all right, put on your pants and own up, right? Own up to what I done, right? And it says when the spiritual maladies are overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. These resentments, fears, and conducts are directly um, connected to me binging directly. It may not seem that way right now because I'm abstinent, but if I'm in self-pity and I don't have, I don't have to look far for resentment. I don't have to look far for fear. And I don't care if you don't have no fears. That's your business. I have fears and resentments and harms every day. I character assassinate every day. But through this house cleaning, subtraction is addition. Because when I subtract these things that's rolling around in my head, right, um, God adds value to my life. So guess what I'm going? Guess what Charles is going to do when he get home from work? I'm going to put them keys in my work pan. I'm going to soak. I'm going to meditate. I'm turning my phone off. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles. And now I have Elaine B. Thank you so much for your service. This is Elaine B. Recovered in Massachusetts, and so grateful for these. Clear-cut instructions. Um, resentment is the number one offender. Remember, we're looking at, uh, looking at, we're convinced that self-will is our problem, and we're looking at the various ways that they have manifested in our lives, what has defeated us. So resentment, number one offender. This is common among all alcoholics or whatever addiction that we have. What do we do? We, as has been said, resentment is like refeeling. We refeel, we revisit, we retell, <laughs> we re-injure ourselves. So we're hurting ourselves over and over again. We're picking the sore, the wound that never, ever heals. And then it gets infected and it festers and it gets deeper and worse. And that's what happens. And it's fascinating because this is perceived a real. It could be something that never uh, the person never intended, that we just misinterpreted, that, um, and I love the example of carrying this on through other relationships, because all of a sudden that becomes our truth, um, and that becomes the modus operandi that we work from. From it stems all forms of spiritual disease, and <laughs> yay, 
that when we um, when we straighten out the spiritual malady, the spiritual disease, we'll straighten out mentally and physically. But you know what? That's not an overnight process. We're just learning to use a tool here that we're going to use every day, God willing, until we die. We need to practice this tool over and over and over and over again. Sometimes the content will be similar. We'll see a lot of repetition as we do this work. But sometimes it'll be new things. You know, what's in the next layer of the onion <laughs> that that um, that we're going to need to dig down to to continue to grow spiritually, which is the essential need for, um, for our continued growth. And I like how they break it apart column by column because what are they trying to do? They're trying to find the facts. We're not trying to refeel. We're not trying to relive. We're not trying to rehearse. I remember when my sponsor told me that if you have a very traumatic uh, thing in your past that happened, um, you know, just write down that night. You know, um, you don't have to rehearse it, relive it, retell it. These are very brief stories in the examples that we see, and there's a lot of backstory to all of them. Writing your inventory is not about telling God. It's not about telling your sponsor. It's not about telling, telling, telling over again. It's about just getting the facts down. Why are we angry? Then we get to validate why we're angry. It impacted so many areas of our lives, our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, personal relationships, including sex. No wonder we were hurt. We were impacted by this world. But we have to find another way, and this is the beginning of it. Thanks for being here with us. Bye. Thanks, Elaine. And now my fellow Oki, Craig F., you're up. Hi, this is Craig. <clears throat> Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, good, good. Well, here's the part that's difficult. Uh, was difficult for me. Um, that's it says resentments, but um, in my mind, um, uh, I have to separate. I've tried to separate the idea of righteous resentments from unrighteous resentments, or separate the uh, idea of Oh, it's just a small resentment. It's a small. I'm not. Re- it's not really a resentment. It's a minor irritation, um, and and that's not what it says. It doesn't say righteous resentments or unrighteous resentments or the do you know are uh, the biggest offender, and it doesn't say um, it doesn't say that uh, uh, big big resentments are the number one offender. It simply says resentments. Uh, you know, I did my resentment list um, and this on this last fourth step, and I, I thought I was as thorough as I could be, and and I was, and I and uh, after I was done, I opened uh, a few days later, I opened the closet, and uh, I saw my high school letter jacket, and I it reminded me that I have a I had a resentment against my basketball coach. From my freshman year of high school. Now I'm 66 years old, so that was um, when I was 14. So that's 52 years ago, and it's a minor resentment, but it was still a resentment. And if if it was that easy to trigger it in my memory, just to see that letter jacket, then it's something that should have been on the list. It's something that I that I need to get down and get rid of. Uh, and not let it uh, build up, you know, the build up of normal human emotion, uh, the build up of resentments. And so, uh, even though I felt uh, wronged, and therefore I was right to be angry, see my rights, uh, and even though it was a small thing, 
and even though it was an old thing, it was still right there. It was still right there on my mind. And and it still deserved to be on the list. I still need to to get it out and get rid of it and uh, and to forgive and to move on and and that's uh, but that's the hard part for me is remembering that there's no size limit, there's no righteousness limit, there's no there's no limit. It's just resentment, and uh, I need to get them down. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for your service. Thank you, Craig and Barbara E. Europe, share. Good morning, everyone. This is Barbara E. in New Jersey. And again, thank you, Kelly, for your service. Resentment's the number one offender. I was very good at hanging on to resentments. And the resentments that I had showed the kind of person that I was. I was resentful towards a store for getting caught stealing. I was resentful towards a teacher for getting caught cheating. I was resentful towards a cop for giving me a speeding ticket or not stopping at a stop sign. I was resentful at my husband for not realizing when I say, when you have the time, would you do this? When what I really meant was, would you do it right now? I was resentful at my mother for being so pretty and slim and outgoing. I was resentful at my kids for not following my script for how they should live their lives. I was even resentful at my adult son for saying how much he loved his grandmother, my mother, who was wonderful. I was resentful because she was pretty and I was not. All of my resentment stemmed out of fear of not being good enough, not being uh, enough in life. And I couldn't recognize the harms that I was doing to others at the same time and doing to myself. But gradually now, I could recognize when I truly was getting in my own way and am getting in my own way. And I can say and mean more sincerely, thy will be done, not mine. It's more than just mere words for me today. Each day is a new challenge, though, to stay out of resentments, out of harms, out of fear, and recognize that it's God's will, not mine, and stay spiritually connected to ask what I can do for you instead of trying to manipulate you or figure out what you can do for me. I had so much hope when I began step four. I wrote down my harms. I did the columns. I was rigorous, and my step sponsor helped me to be so. Again, thank you for being there. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. And for any of you joining us late, we are on page 64 in the big book, third paragraph, resentment is the number one offender. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Okay, hang on just a second. Hang on just a second. I have Santa, H, Matt, um, Berita, Melissa, and... I forgot who the next one was. Martha. Oh, Martha. Deb W. Leia M. Deb W. Let's, 
Leia, and then let's stop there. I have Santa, Matt, Dorita, Melissa, Paula, Martha, Deb, and Leia. All right, Santa, we'll start with you. And if everybody would please mute their phone again if you're not Santa. Thank you. Go ahead, Santa. Good morning, everyone. My name is Santa H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New Jersey. It's great to be on the line this morning sharing. This here is one of my favorite sections in the big book. I remember, and I still do, I think it's now so embedded in my subconscious mind, but I remember early in the program when I started that I would actually turn this into a promise where it says, if we if we straighten up if we straighten up mentally and spiritually physically we'll straighten up spiritually and i would actually remember saying that constantly to to the oneness that this is a promise you're promising me that if i just straighten up spiritually that mentally and physically things would change and over time gradually that happened for me physically yeah ailments went away all the weight went away. Mentally, my mind became clear. My whole outlook on life changed. And it's, it's just been wonderful to know that all I have to do is just work on what I didn't even know was a, a disease, spiritual disease. I didn't even know that, that I was having issues in the spiritual world. But now being so connected to the spiritual oneness with inside of myself and, and making that a number one priority I know that going back to where it says resentment is the number one offender for me is all about changing my thinking. It's all about this is why I do this work. And step four today for me is so much different than it was when I first started. But just that promise alone was like enough for me to say, okay, I want to do this because I don't like the way I see, see the world. The world hasn't changed. The world is the same way it was four years ago when I came to this program. Of course, I mean, of course, things have evolved. We all have evolved. But overall, what has changed was the way I look at it. And so today, I just really lean hard, so wholeheartedly on the on serenity affirmation, as I call it. And that first line is just says, accept. I don't try to change anything. I just learn to just flow with life today, and I learn to accept and just allow things to happen. And so for me... It's it's just a wonderful way of living, and it's just so great to be able to just cheer on this, and great to be here with all of you. And thank you, Kelly, for the opportunity. With that, I pass. Thank you, Santa. And now I have Matt M. Thank you, Kelly, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. Composable Overeater from New Jersey. Resentment is the number one offender. I don't know about you, but I love to be resentful in times that they gave me the excuse to eat. I loved, I loved it. I love to blame other people for my problems. I love to blame um, whatever was in my head at the time for my, the reason why I was eating. And I sure did have a spiritual malady. I was spiritually bankrupt in every single way possible. And you know what? That's the way I lived my life, you know. I was so burned up that I thought the rest of the world was a problem and I was the one who had a solution. You know, that's how messed up I was in my head. I was so confused, angry, hurt. Like, why the rest of the world? Why is the rest of the world against me? Blah blah blah. But really, it's because I was unwilling to see that I had that I had to do a fourth step, that I had to have problems I had to get rid of. Because, like I said, sometimes that self-righteous anger felt really good. Being resentful and I'm grateful just for today. I don't have to get into that whole like the whole rigmarole again. 
I could just keep my head above water and follow directions and listen to what my sponsor wants me to do. And I'm grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. And now is um is it Dorita P? Yes, it is. Thank you. Uh, my name is Thank Dorita. You. Sure. My name is Dorita P from Cleveland. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered compulsive overeater, and I was really debating about sharing. You know, I really, you know, was scared about sharing because uh, I'm going to share a bit about my mom, and my mom is in a program. And it's a real slight possibility that she's on the line, but um, she's not a morning person, so most likely she's not on the line. And But anyway, uh, so um, I have a new resentment against her uh, for something she did yesterday. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful that I have a program. So the difference between now and then, uh, Matt said it, um, I used to blame my mom. I used to blame her for everything. I used to blame her for me not being successful in life. Um, but today, um, I blame her. <laughs> um, but I have a way to work on it. And today I can also see my part. Um, she uh, took my ex-boyfriend's side, uh, and he uh, he's threatened me. He's uh, He slashed my current boyfriend's tire Saturday, and uh, we're making a police report. Uh, and uh, so she liked my ex-boyfriend, and she think, um, I don't know. But anyway, to make a long story short, I just resent her for, uh, you know, taking his sight. But my part in it is that I didn't give her all the information. Um, so today I am going to give her more of the information. And, you know, she still might take his side. I don't know. You know, she, she did a lot of hurtful things. But um, today I can um, still be successful in spite of everybody, including my mother, not supporting me. Uh, and I'm just grateful I can look at my part today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And um, next is Melissa C. Hi. Good morning. It's Melissa. Are you able to hear me? I am. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, Kelly. It's Melissa C. Recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, so like, like like we've heard there here, um, you know, resentment is that refeeling and um and for me it's like refeeling pain and unhappiness. It's not a refeeling of good stuff, you know, and so if it's unpleasant the first time, you know, why would I want to re experiencing why would I want to re experience it again and again? Um and yet like I could know that in my rational mind, but I can't help it. It's like I'm addicted to um, re-examining and reliving pain as I was to reliving, you know, um, ex- flavor, you know, as I was to retasting food. I, I, it's like I can't help on my own to pick at something, you know. So it's like there's a bad cut on my knee, and I just won't let it heal. I keep picking the scab off and and saying, oh, that's a really bad injury. That hurts a lot. I, I can't believe that happened to me. Why did that have to happen? And yet, I'm a big part of why it still continues to hurt, why it's not healing. Um, you know, and for me, anytime I'm spending too much energy 
on hanging on to a hurt, um, moaning about the circumstances of my life. I'm living in the dark, you know, and, and I've been really good at this. This is, um, like, I'm a natural storyteller. And so, like, I heard on the line here the ability to make my part smaller and the other person's part greater. Um, I add details. I add life to the story. There's more build up, um, and I know just who to tell the story to to make myself um, less of the of you know a contributor, more of a victim. And you know, and then since I'm also an actress, um, I, I'm really skillful at putting on a fake smile. So I experienced this, or I have in the past really deep down inside and you know of course I needed to eat like of course that was what I turned to you know and it seemed unbelievable that when um, I started this work that if I straightened out in this sense um, if I straightened out spiritually then the mental and physical sickness would straighten out as well Um, and but it really is true you know and so I can't hang on to justified anger. Like, for me, that's the worst kind. And, of course, if I feel I'm right and the other person is wrong, you know, I'm saying I'm right to have this feeling. I'm right to have this resentment. And, um, you know, for me, like, the, the main problem with the resentment is it shuts me off from feeling love and connection. And um, and then I'm saying that God is wrong, you know, God's script is wrong. My script is right. And so, uh, you know, releasing my resentment is, is saying God is right. And, and it Time. unfolds exactly as it's supposed to. Thank you so much. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. And then Paula, and I didn't get your initial or your last initial. Thank you, Kelly. This would be Paula D. Thank you, Paula. Thank you. Recovered by and with the grace of God. I'm going to kind of camp out on this line here. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. I never saw the sense of order there. And God is a God of order. And see, I thought if I, if I kind of physically got this together, then then mentally and spiritually I'd become better. Or maybe mentally. No. It says spiritually. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten up mentally and physically. Oh, we're on our road, by the way. And I do believe we're on our road, uh, on the road. But that part there, straighten out, all of a sudden, I see things differently. Oh, if I have that, that'll harm me. Somehow my wants changed. Think it changed because of the mental or physical? No, it's only the spiritual. That's what caused the rest to, as they use the word straighten out here. And I love the fact that they use the word fact. Fact is something that actually occurred or exists. It didn't have to. With resentments, it didn't have to have any facts. You just throw my ego in, and everything would be swayed to my side. I needed that then. I don't need it today. If I have God on my side... What then? But I want to just kind of bring this together. There is a reason for this, though, because I used to say, oh, so much time. And then I lessened the time because I saw it more clearly and quickly. But on 124, this is what it says. Henry Ford once made a wise remark. 
to the effect that experience is a thing of supreme value in life. That is true only if one is willing to turn the past to good account. We grow by our willingness to face, bear this step, and rectify others, and look at this, convert them into assets. How do I convert this into an asset? You look at it. You see it for what it is. And then it is converted into an asset. I thank you for allowing me this time. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And next I have Martha, and I didn't get your last initial either, Martha. Good morning, Kelly. This is Martha S. as in Sam in upstate New York. All right, thank you. Uh, yep. Uh, grateful, recover, compulsive, overeater. Good morning, everyone. Um, another thing I found helpful in this paragraph, um, I really I really appreciate that resentment comes from re-feeling. Going back to my high school French, you know, resentment or however you pronounce it. It's anything I re-feel. And I just, the only thing I can add to everything that's been shared is perhaps that for me, um, resentment includes anything that I feel guilt or shame about. Even if the other person, even if I can't identify something that they did that that um, harmed me or offended me, if I if there's something connected with them that I feel uh, shame or guilt about, I'm re-feeling that. And um, they tell us on page 66 in the first partial paragraph, sometimes it was remorse. And then we were sore at ourselves. So, so I do believe in this um, in step four that we include things that we feel guilt or shame about or remorse. And that that helped me when I got to step eight because they tell us when we get to step eight that the list we made in step four is is basically the people that um, we need to make amends to. Um, so if I'm including anybody I felt guilt or shame about because of something I did or said. Um, then, then that makes my step eight list um, um, pretty complete there. Um, so I really love that it's re-feeling. Resentment is so much more than just being angry at something or somebody. And that's of course, you know, as a compulsive eater, I, I have plenty of resentment. Um, um, but the step work helps me uh, recognize them. And I don't know about anyone else, but when I came into the program, I was living in a low-level state of agitation all the time. I'd wake up in the morning and feel agitated about some resentment the day before or agitated about my to-do list. And now I wake up and I'm immediately connecting with my higher power. Um, And um, so this inventory in step four and continued in step ten um, helps me recognize when I'm feeling agitated and when I need to ask my higher power to remove those defects. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Martha. And next up is Deb W. Hi, Kelly. Good morning. <laughs> uh, recovered in Oklahoma. Woo! <laughs> I uh, was uh, thinking when the... the uh, the resentment paragraph, which is one of the ones that speaks to me the most, uh, was read and was being talked to uh, uh, about the spiritual malady, um, the spiritual malady that is 
you know, doesn't always get the attention that the mental and the physical gets, but it's, it's just uh, it's impossible to recover without addressing that part. I was talking to, um, I got a call from a, my uh, one of my relatives who we kind of fell apart during the elections. <laughs> I made my amends, okay, check, you know, and yet I felt different than I did before uh, this discussion that I didn't intend to get involved in but was seemed to be pulled in. And so I know I uh, apologized more than once, but it's funny because every time the name was brought up, I felt that little, that uncomfortable, um, the resentment, the resentment, it, it, different than anger, but just this low-lying grudge that, you know, just still there. Anyway, she called because she needed help. She needed help with my addict brother, and uh, she needed a comforting, uh, uh, to get some comfort, and that's what we used to do with each other for so many years, but that barrier was there because of something that doesn't even matter. But, uh, um, you know, it took me a while and it took me pausing and asking God over and over again to remove this feeling because the feeling had rested and I couldn't even get to the point of having feeling uh, compassion, you know, for this person. Uh, and then it lifted because I prayed. I honestly prayed. I honestly wanted it removed. And then she wanted me to talk to my brother. And so then I called this brother who has been on drugs for you know, most of his life and is still struggling. And his his ego was hurt because she was to sign a paper that would give him more money to be uh, available for him to go get more drugs. And he didn't understand why no one could support him. And I said, well, you know, brother, out of 10 times, how many times have you been able not to go for the drug? Well, at least two. And nobody gives me credit for the two. Now, the mind of the attic, the, my mind, my thinking stays justified on that 2% out of 10 that I won't go blow money. And without, and he was indignant, by the way, and without the uh, breaking down and the uh, growth of the spiritual part of us, we can never get down to okay. We can't get down to the place that lets us be uh, open to change, open to seeing a thing different. And so, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff W. Um, next, Leia M. Thank you very much. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. You know, this is the first action step for the uh, upcoming transformative experience. The big book taught me that to get over compulsive overeating was going to require a transformation of thought and attitude. And this was the first step where those attitudes and the way I was thinking were set down on paper for me to examine um, eventually with the help of someone in whom the problem had been solved because this self-centered thinking of mine had given me these emotional twists and discolored, you know, discolored my personality for the worse, that's for sure. It helped um, 
with this process for that word resentment and anger to be broadened because I was always the type of kid I came in in my you know at 19 um that always had a smile on my face I wasn't mad at anybody I just wanted to love you kind of thing um so broadening it you know not simply anger but something that was percolating in my mind that I was thinking about all the time things that were living in my head rent free the what is and the if onlys what if I hadn't had this disease? What could I have accomplished if I hadn't been a real compulsive overeater? What if this had happened instead of that? What if that hadn't happened? You know, what, what, what about life hadn't gone my way? Those kind of things were percolating in my mind. And even though those events might have been years and decades old, they were feelings that were current. They were feelings that were current. And under the heavy anesthetic of my compulsive overeating and my violent binging, there was a numbness. There was a numbness. But when the food was down, and when someone took me by the hand with this text, and I started to write down on paper, what were the things that were percolating in my mind, taking up space in my head? Boy did that page begin to come to life. Those twisted thoughts began to come out in black and white. And the process, and this is the first step, began to unchain my mind so that I could begin to live free at last. I went from a journey of blindness to spiritual vision. But it began with this, because more than my compulsive overeating had to be arrested, my own philosophies, my ideas, my beliefs about things, the fact that life hadn't gone my way in many, very, in many areas, according to me, all of that had to be confronted and overhauled, because the same consciousness that created the problem couldn't be the same consciousness that was going to solve this problem. My greatest obstacle was my thinking, and with that, I Pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leah. Um, and we only have a couple. Well, we have one minute, so I just wanted to share something real quick. This is Kelly S. from Oklahoma. Um, I just think it's such a powerful thing in this big book that it says resentment is the number one offender. It doesn't say it's just one of them. It's the number one. And like a lot of people share, and I love KG share, is it was all the little crap, and I minimized so many things. And as I've shared in the past, I've struggled for 30-something years in this program because I minimized. And I heard someone say, you know, when we go in the ocean, it's easy to avoid the shark, but those stupid little minnows that keep biting at my ankles that drive me effing crazy. So, you know, I just have to remember that. And it says a big promise. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. This is a spiritual program. This is not, there's not a part of the spiritual. I used to think I'll work my spiritual part. This is a spiritual program, and that's where I kind of got confused. So, you know, I have to remember that um, I have to go to my higher power and, and take care of the spiritual malady if I want the rest of the stuff I hear you guys sharing about and what the big book says. So just a pretty powerful statement. Resentment is the number one offender. I'm drawn back to it almost every day thanks for this program. Anyway, um, so it is now 7.55. Um, thank you to everyone who shared Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And um, the share ID for today, July 5th, is 10124. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 
followed by the serenity prayer. Well, Nessa R., please read A Vision for You. Our book, our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Very happy to be able to do service for this um, amazing meeting. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.